0: few weeks ago, uh, we started a sermon series on uh, the life of Moses, on Moses' as God, and the people uh, that Moses leads. Uh, the, the potential danger uh, in, in calling a series like this The Life of Moses is that uh, we get distracted and we end up sort of missing the point. We begin to think that these stories uh, are about Moses. Uh, But what we need to remember is that the Bible uh, is always uh, about God. And so this morning uh, and over the next uh, several weeks, as we continue to look at these pivotal events um, in this one character's life, uh, we need to remember about the scriptures, uh, what our catechism says, that they principally teach us uh, what we are to believe concerning God And what duty uh, God requires of man. So if you have your Bible, uh, please turn with me. Uh, We're going to be looking at Exodus 2, uh, verses 11 through 25. If you don't have a Bible uh, with you, uh, we do have it printed for you there uh, in the bulletin. Follow along with me. One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together, and he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it he sought to kill Moses but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian and he sat down by a well Now the priests of Midian had 7 daughters and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock The shepherds came and drove them away but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock When they came home to their father Ruel he said how is it that you have come home so soon today During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. Father, thank you for your word. We pray now uh, that you would uh, bless it to our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, There's a way to read uh, the Old Testament uh, where you just sort of are on the lookout uh, for heroes and and you find people uh, that you can imitate or or maybe to tell other people uh, to imitate. And it kind of reduces down to something like, uh, you know, be like David. And you need to sort of kill uh, the giants in your life. Something like that. And I'm very grateful that in large part, um, at least in our circles, uh, preaching has has really moved away uh, from that kind of interpretation um, of the Old Testament. It's it's simplistic, uh, it really misses the point, and ultimately uh, leads people to misunderstand uh, even uh, who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. Uh, But there's an opposite error it's kind of kind of the mirror that is more prevalent now, I think, where you read the Old Testament and you look to find uh, a failure that you can say, aha, he didn't measure up. And sometimes that kind of preaching reduces to God uses these failures. And so it's okay that I fail too. And there's actually some truth to that. There's a good bit of truth to that. Uh, Just like there's truth to the fact that you should be like David. He really was a man uh, after God's heart. But this kind of preaching is also uh, simplistic, uh, tends to miss the point, and I think ultimately leads people to misunderstand uh, who Jesus is and what he came to do. Uh, God is not is not really interested in in either one of these overly simple uh, interpretations. The scriptures are so much more rich than that. Uh, What we see uh, in Exodus 2 is a passage that's been interpreted a a lot of different ways. And thankfully this morning, uh, we have an advantage. Um, The New Testament comments uh, directly uh, on our passage. And so we have some Holy Spirit-inspired interpretation uh, to help us out this morning. Um, A couple weeks ago, we looked at uh, Moses' uh, birth story, we got a little bit of his background, and we saw that much of his life prefigures uh, the exodus out of Egypt that's to come. And on the surface, uh, the, the end of chapter two here uh, could, could just look like well, here's a story about how Moses ended up in Midian and how he got uh, his family. But there's always. Uh, there's always more uh, going on under the surface. So uh, Todd mentioned a few weeks ago that Moses was pre-qualified. If you remember, he was a Levite. His mother said he was a fine child. Uh, but uh, perhaps he's not quite ready uh, to lead Israel out of Egypt. Or perhaps Israel isn't quite ready not for Moses uh, to lead them out of Egypt. Uh, and so... As we just look briefly at this passage this morning, I want us to look first at well, what are the things that we learn? What do we learn about Moses? And then we're going to look at what did Moses still have to learn? So, so what do we learn about Moses and what did Moses uh, have to learn? And, and along the way, we're, we're going to learn some things about God uh, and about ourselves as well. Um, so, what do we learn about Moses? Well, the story uh, begins in verse 11 with Moses uh, grown up. Um, Acts chapter 7 tells us that Moses is actually uh, 40 years old here at this point, so a lot of time has passed between verses 10 and 11. Um, But he goes out um, to his people, it's literally uh, his brothers, and so in spite of growing up in Egypt, and according to uh, later in the passage, even looking and appearing uh, like an Egyptian himself, uh, Moses Uh, knows, he's aware that he is one of the Hebrews. And our passage says, he looked on their burdens. Uh, Moses sees how Pharaoh uh, is treating his brothers. And then specifically, he sees uh, one Egyptian uh, beating uh, one Hebrew. It's the kind of scene uh, that represents uh, the whole situation for us. And then Moses Uh, He looks around and he kills the Egyptian and he buries him in the sand. Now, um, many people, uh, perhaps even even most most, um, modern uh, commentators see this as some kind of obvious example of Moses' rage, uh, of his impatience, of taking things into his own hands. Uh, maybe even of his uh, sneakiness, as you see him kind of uh, looking around uh, before he kills this man. But that's, that's actually not the picture that the rest of Scripture paints uh, about this scene here. Uh, later on in Isaiah 59 and 63, uh, we find God uh, looking around. The, the same language used. And what he finds is an unjust in oppressive society, and he is looking for someone, somewhere to intercede on behalf of the oppressed. And when he doesn't find anyone, he brings salvation and righteousness uh, by his own arm. So it's at least possible uh, that Moses' actions here, uh, or what's described, are an attempt at justice, that Moses is at least trying make things right when no one else will. Now, if we look at the New Testament, the picture actually gets clearer. Uh, In Acts chapter 7, we have a sermon uh, from a man named Stephen. Uh, It's a famous sermon. Uh, It gets Stephen killed. Uh, He's the first martyr uh, in the Christian church. In that sermon, he's recounting Uh, Israel's history. He goes all the way back to Abraham and through all the prophets, uh, right up until their time with Jesus. And when he gets to Moses, uh, of all the things that that he could have talked about in Moses's life, uh, he takes some time to mention Moses's killing uh, of the Egyptian. And what you find in Stephen's sermon is that the sin in the situation was the Hebrews' Rejection of Moses. And Moses is defended. We actually get an insight into what Moses is thinking in Acts chapter 7. So in Acts 7, verse 25, Stephen says, He, that is, Moses supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand. But they did not understand. And Stephen ends his sermon, and you always, that is you you Jews, you always resist the Holy Spirit. And he lists off all the leaders that God has sent them and that they've rejected. According to the New Testament, uh, Moses' big mistake here is thinking that the Hebrews would know salvation when they saw it. That's actually the whole point of, of Stephen's sermon uh, they reject their leaders, all of them, right up and in, in including uh, Jesus, and that's just what we see here. So the next day, the next day in verse 13, Moses uh, sees two Hebrews fighting. It's the same language used to describe uh, the event between the Egyptian and the Hebrew, two verses earlier. So don't miss this. Uh, Hebrews had suffered greatly, uh, but they are not good people. Uh, They are acting like the Egyptians here, but toward each other. Uh, When God saves Israel uh, and when God saves anyone, uh, it's not because they're good. It's because God is good. And so Moses, uh, he attempts to step in here. Uh, The man in the wrong says, well, who made you prince and judge? Which is ironic because Moses was a prince uh, and he would become a judge, uh, in Israel. He says, Are you, you going to kill me like you did that Egyptian? Now, at this point, as far as we know, uh, no one was around when Moses killed the Egyptian. The only person who knew was the guy he saved. And so we're getting a picture of how Israel is going to respond to Moses' leadership over and over again. They're going to question uh, his role in their lives. So later, at the edge of the Red Sea, uh, after uh, ten plagues have decimated Egypt and left all the Hebrews alone, they're at the edge of the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army is coming up behind them, and they say, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. They don't Trust what God is doing through Moses. And, and just to remind you, back in Acts 7.25, uh, Moses thought they would understand that God was giving them salvation. So Moses, Moses wasn't taking things into his own hands. He had, his understanding was that God was going to work through him uh, for the Israelites. When well, Hebrews 11, we actually get a second New Testament interpretation of this same passage. Um, Hebrews 11 tells us, by faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Well, when did that happen? When, when did Moses uh, refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter? Well, it's when he looked on his brother's burdens. And why did he do that? A couple of verses later, Hebrews says he considered The reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. You see, Moses' thinking here is exactly opposite uh, that of the Hebrews. Moses' expectation is that he will be mistreated, Uh, his expectation is that he will not be welcomed back in Pharaoh's palace. And he calculates it will be better to suffer with God's people than to stay here. Uh, Moses had everything. He had as much as anyone really could have, and and he gives it up. And the very people he comes to save, uh, they don't understand him uh, and end up rejecting him. Uh, Not every attempt that you make to do the right thing uh, will be understood. Sometimes it will get you laughed at, and sometimes it will be other people in the church uh, that do the laughing. Uh, The Hebrews here are living by sight. They believed what they could see. This isn't going to work, Moses You can't stand up to Pharaoh. You're just going to make things worse. Uh, Faith is not believing that everything's just going to be fine. Uh, Later in Hebrews 11, um, as he's listing off people who believed, he talks about people who were sawn in two uh, by faith. Uh, Faith is believing that God is at work in spite of what you see. That God is at work while Jesus is hanging on the cross and that same God's at work in your circumstances. Uh, Moses gave up everything because he believed God. But there's still more that he had to learn. Uh, he's now on the run and ends up at a well. Uh, we've already seen Moses as a as a new Noah Uh, He's saved in an ark of reeds uh, through the water. Here he's a new Jacob. Uh, He runs away from home and finds a wife at a well from the descendants of Abraham, just like Jacob. That's who the Midianites were. Uh, They were descendants of Abraham's second wife after Sarah, his first wife, died. And it was Midianite traders who took Joseph out of the pit where his brothers left him. So Moses is also a new Joseph. He's used by God to save the people that reject him. Uh, Just as a pastor, I I am constantly amazed uh, by the deep uh, connections uh, that we find in God's word. Uh, And and the more time I spend in it, um, the more obvious it becomes uh, that it's all breathed out uh, by God. That's not that's not the point here. Um, what, we see what Moses learned when we pay attention to what happens at the well. Uh, Moses meets seven women. They're drawing water for their dad's sheep. And after they've done the hard work, some shepherds show up and they take all the water or they try to take the water. Now at this point, if you're keeping up with how Moses is behaving, you can almost predict what he's going to do. For the third time, Moses sees an injustice and he steps in to try to make it right. Uh, First with the Egyptian, the second time with the two Hebrews, and now uh, with these women. So verse 17 says, he stood up and he saved them. And the women's report to their father is he delivered us. You see that? The Hebrews rejected Uh, their deliverer. And it's the outsiders, it's the Midianite priest uh, who's glad uh, to take him in. And Moses is welcomed into Midianite life. I'm not sure exactly what it adds to the meaning, but uh, I do appreciate that they all came back and the dad's like, seriously? Doesn't any of you want to get married? Like, couldn't you bring him? Anyway, So Moses gets married. Uh, he has a son. He names him Gershom because he's a sojourner in a foreign land. Uh, th- this is something like he names him Pilgrimite because he knows what it is to be a pilgrim. Uh, the name tells us what Moses learned. Moses uh, recognizes himself as an outsider now. Uh, he knows that God is blessing him, but he is not at home. Um, the riches, And the status of Egypt are gone. His own people have rejected him. He knew that he had a significant role to play in God's redemption. Uh, But I think he still had to learn what it meant to wander. Uh, He had the best education that money uh, could buy. Stephen actually takes some time to talk about that in his sermon in Acts 7, that Moses was well-educated in Egypt But there are some things that you just can't learn in class. Uh, You can't learn to swim on YouTube. Like, you have to get in the water. And suffering is not something you can just read about. It's almost not even something that you can practice. Uh, It just has to happen to you. Uh, You learn it uh, through uh, the hardship And sometimes I think we treat suffering as though uh, it's the main thing that must be avoided at all costs. And I I don't think we should seek out suffering as its own end. But I also don't think we need to view it as the absolute worst thing that could ever happen to us. As though the point of life was just to not suffer. Or even that the point of life was somehow uh, to survive. I just recently watched um, the movie Dead Poets Society for the first time in a couple decades. And the teacher, you know, his, his introductory remarks uh, to his class uh, to get their attention, he says, we are food for worms, lads. And he's right. None of us are going to survive. There has to be some other point And so here's my challenge to you this morning. Uh, If you do have opportunities uh, to suffer for Christ, uh, you should lean into those opportunities. I don't mean suffering for, for being a jerk or for being foolish, but as you have opportunities to make a hard decision for good, take those opportunities. We are sojourners Uh, We know our wilderness identity most when we feel opposition. Uh, We should expect that unbelievers are just not going to understand some of our loyalties. Uh, We should expect that it might feel like we just don't belong here sometimes and that it will be hard But if we have opportunities to choose the reproach of Christ over the riches in Egypt, we should take them. Uh, In John 15, Jesus says, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. This is God's method for refining his people. Suffering, it reminds us that we're wilderness people. It reminds us that we're not yet in our heavenly home. And it reminds us to look to our future uh, with Christ, not to look for better circumstances here, but to look to him. In these last couple verses, uh, the passage sort of zooms out and we see uh, what's ha- actually been happening with all of the Hebrews. And, and we're reminded that the same burdens that began uh, back in chapter one, they're, they're still going on here, but all the while, God is at work. All the while, there is more going on than what the Hebrews could see. Uh, they'd rejected Moses. God was blessing Moses, and he leaves them in Egypt for another 40 years. But it's not the end of the story. Israel groans. Israel cries out. Their cry goes up to God, and we hear God hears. their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A promise that had been made some 400 years earlier in Genesis 15. I mean, I have never waited 400 years for anything. Some of you have waited 41 years for things. But, I, you know, sometimes we think patience, we, we imagine patience Always as getting the thing we want at the end of it for a definite period of time. But sometimes patience is not knowing how long it's going to be and not knowing how things are going to turn out. Uh, for Israel, patience meant trusting that God was going to do the right thing, even if they didn't know how and even if it didn't happen in their lifetime. Uh, the scriptures. Uh, do speak about God, uh, God who knows everything. They speak about him remembering. They speak about him forgetting sometimes. But his memory, uh, it's not like ours. Uh, When God uh, remembers, he chooses to act. Uh, In the same way, when he doesn't remember your sins, uh, he chooses not to act. Uh, those last 40 years uh, between this story and the coming exodus, it it had to look like the God of Abraham was just a myth. It had to look like nothing was ever really going to happen, like this is just a story our parents told us to make us feel better about being slaves. But the end of the chapter says he knew that God remembered his covenant. He heard, he saw them, and he knew what was going on, even though they didn't know. And he still knows. God knows what it's like to be you, he knows your struggles, he knows the details. And no one else in the world may ever know what it is to be you, but God knows. And he remembers his covenant for all those who cry out to him. All those covenant promises find their fulfillment in a man named Jesus. And so just as they had to wait uh, 400 years after the covenant with Abraham to finally get their deliverance out of Egypt, it was 400 years after the last Old Testament prophet before Christ left the riches of heaven uh, to take the side of the oppressed and to call them his brothers and to deliver them out of the slavery of sin and to shepherd us uh, through the wilderness you can still uh, cry out to him. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you uh, do not leave us to ourselves. We pray. We pray that you would work against our impatience, that you would work against our desire uh, to live by sight and we pray that you would give us faith. God help us to trust you. God help us to to know uh, that Jesus' death on a cross and his resurrection is not just um, an idea, uh, but these are these are real events that accomplish real salvation and also establish a pattern of what it is uh, to live in this world. And so, God, I pray that we would not reject uh, taking up our cross and following after him by faith. Lord, pray that you would help us to do that. Help us to forsake the world and all that it offers uh, for his sake and work uh, your forgiveness and your love uh, down into our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.